Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. Well, welcome, Grace and Peace Church. It's me, Pastor Nate. Uh, if you're new with us and if you're familiar with us, glad you're journeying with us. Uh, we have this one more week we're going to be online and the next week we're going to be back in person. And so thank you for joining us. And uh, we're just trying to be aware of our community and the strain it's putting on our hospitals and we're recognizing some local restaurants closing. So we just want to be respectful. We figured uh, the pandemic's taught us how to be online. And so we just figured one more week uh, wouldn't hurt. And uh, with a lot of people being sick, um, including my family last week, and but we are well now. And um, so we're going to continue on. We have a couple announcements that I want to draw your attention to. We are going to start life groups. We said this week, we're going to put that off another week. We're still looking for leaders. If you're interested in leading a life group, contact us um, to journey through this message and, and get all the info that we have going on as far as life groups and all that stuff. You can go to our website. There's a link to our digital bulletin um, that uh, also has a connect card. And that if you're interested in, uh, in volunteering uh, and leading a life group or connecting with a life group and studying with us or... Um, we're going to have a variety of options, but um, if you want to journey with us, uh, the Connect card is the way to do that, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and the digital bulletin will guide you through our discussion here as we journey through the series that we're uh, reawakening, basically. Uh, we took a little hiatus for Advent, and now we're in Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 21 to 43. If you want to open your Bibles or if you want to read along there digitally on the digital bulletin, um, you can track along. I'll have all the questions and any kind of resources um, that I mentioned will be there. So let's dig in. Um, The book of Mark, we are in chapter 5. The gospel of Mark, uh, this is um, a fast-moving gospel, but we are taking it slow. We're taking it thought by thought and kind of chunk by chunk. And um, this word euthis, uh, which is translated immediately, comes up 41 times in this gospel. And so you see this urgency, like he's just continually moving from thought to thought or just um, example of who Jesus is after example and just kind of moving through it pretty quickly uh, to demonstrate that urgency that we are called to be on mission, that we're called to encounter Jesus in our lives and also begin to um, display that in the lives that he's given us in the world that he's called us to live into. Um, one observation I just want to point out is that First Peter uh, 5.13 points out that Peter um, and Mark had spent a lot of time working together in Rome and uh, Peter's authority stands behind Mark's gospel. Mark was um, someone who journeyed with Peter and learned from Peter, um, and Peter's one of the disciples. And so um, what we read here is uh, him describing um, and also transcribing for Peter um, the life of Jesus in a nutshell. And so this is it. It's one of the shortest Um, Matthew and Luke both take from this, uh, this gospel and, uh, as kind of the source gospel. And, um, and so just want to point that out that like what we see here is Mark trying to describe 
beautifully the power of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he's capable of doing in our lives. And so we're going to read this story about Jesus raising this dead girl um, back to life and healing a woman um, that's been bleeding for 12 years. So let's dig right into it. Mark chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by, uh, by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The one, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. That number 12 is very special in this story. Story within a story, I might add. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and in the crowd touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him and he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, Jesus answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around and who uh, to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what he said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they had come to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Another unique detail there. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So we see here a story sandwiched in a story. And as I mentioned, there's this urgency and immediacy that happens in this. Um, and again, it's, it's, Pete, it's Mark trying to help us understand that like this is the kind of power Jesus has and, um, and what he's doing. And so what we have here is two stories using 12 years. This is significant because one story that's sandwiched within another story is about a woman who's been struggling, suffering, and dealing with pain. And the other one is a life that's been cut short. 
So a life that's been cut short and a life that's been struggling with pain the length of this girl's life. There's significance to this because I think we struggle with both these challenges at some point in our lives. Um, The fact that life is finite and the fact that we can be riddled with pain and suffering and sorrow and challenge. And we do everything possible to try and avoid both of those categories. If you think about it, take a moment and reflect on the two major challenges that we face in life. We try and stay as young as we possibly can. We try and avoid pain, challenge, difficulty, suffering, um, any kind of stress. We try and avoid all of those things at all costs. And most of the time for good reason, right? Because those things are difficult. We want life to the full. We want life to continue on forever. We all know that that isn't possible. And we want that life to continue on without any pain, any any struggle, any sorrow, any difficulty. And what Jesus does is he demonstrates that he has power to step in and bring life to both the pain of our circumstances and the challenges and the difficulties, as well as he has power over life and death. I don't think that what Jesus was trying to do is heal everybody and make everyone live eternally here on earth. I think what he was trying to do is demonstrate that in relationship with him, there is eternity. There is life to the full, this abundant life that he invites us into. And what he displays here in both these healings is the power that he has to do that. The power that God has to do that. Jesus has the power to heal both life and the challenges within life. He covers the entire spectrum here. Um, but it's interesting. We try and avoid those things, right? We try and um, try and solve those things on our own. We try and have eternal life. We try and have health and everything going on. And I've, my family has been challenged with that this week in uh, many ways when it comes to our health. Um, I don't need to get into all the details, but... I was in a conversation with a buddy of mine about how do we face these challenges as they come up? Because not only are there health challenges, physical challenges, but then there's also um, the stresses and the things that come at us, the responsibilities of different things that challenge us. And I was kind of wrestling through uh, in this conversation, what what is the solution? How do we begin to live into that in a way that that says that Jesus is Uh, powerful enough to handle these things. And what he did was um, he reminded me of this, um, this beautiful truth that Brother Lawrence talks about. Um, Brother Lawrence um, was a monk who uh, basically coined this idea um, that you see in scripture that Jesus says, and Paul talks about is like pray without ceasing. And what he did was like moment by moment, lived his life, a life of prayer, that every minute was a life of prayer, that every minute was, uh, being reminded that Jesus is with us, that he's journeying with us. And so when you face a challenge or when he was doing simple things, like he talked about washing dishes in prayer, um, going on a walk in prayer, doing your work in prayer. And what that does is it centers us around the life that Jesus invites us into, the power that Jesus wants to uh, invite us into. And I began to think about that as I faced a couple of challenges throughout the day that I wanted to respond in anger and frustration and, man, you don't understand the the challenges that I'm facing right now and the difficulty. 
and, and just kind of be angry at God. But then in those moments, in a moment of prayer, it changed my perspective. And, and I don't claim to do this perfectly, that this is something I'm, I'm continually striving towards and, and trying to build this pattern of prayer in my life. Um, but as I began to encounter those things and think about those challenges with a posture of prayer, it began to bring freedom that really, as I began to look at it and go, you know what, actually those aren't as big of a deal as I think they are, that that might be temporary or that may be an opportunity for me to learn and grow. And, um, maybe this problem is, is teaching me how to resolve those kind of problems right now. It's a perspective change that happens. And so I believe that if it isn't an instantaneous healing, like we see in this story, what Jesus invites us into is this way of life, this way of prayer, this praying without ceasing that brings life to the full. And so I just add that in as we journey through this passage um, as just a reminder that this is how Jesus begins to transform life. And so going back to the story of this woman um, who faces these challenges, um, the the scenario that we read here is, it's one of the worst things you could imagine, right? So 12 years um, of bleeding nonstop. Um, She's outcast because she's a woman who's bleeding and um, hasn't stopped um, that she wouldn't, she would be ceremonially unclean. So religiously in that day, um, whether it's right or wrong or whatever you think about it, um, she wouldn't be allowed to be around other people. So she would have been outcast. So her, the suffering that she talks about would have been this separation from culture, from other people. It would have been kind of like getting COVID or getting, uh, in that day, um, leprosy. Um, it would have removed you from society in, in many, 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 many ways. And so, um, the suffering that she's dealing with is very real. And then it talks about, um, the fact that she's tried all kinds of options. And so, there's a, uh, a spirit of defeat in her as well. You imagine 12 years trying to look for every solution you can. And maybe you've been there with your health where you've tried finding solutions for things um, and just to no avail, to no solution. Um, and so you can imagine her spirit. You can imagine where she's at, how she's feeling. And then there's this other layer um, that she's female. And, and I bring that up, um, because in that culture, being female and being in a crowd and being a female that's bleeding in a crowd would not have been accepted. And what you see her do by faith, she says, I'm just going to go because I know that if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. She goes and does everything she can to go to him. And that crowd there, uh, this is something that culturally, as we know the culture and we begin to understand what's going on, we begin to see that there's another added layer that the crowd would not have been okay with this. Um, and that that's why she's having to sneak up to Jesus. But what Jesus does in the response to her situation as a male in that culture, as a rabbi, this would have been very unique. This would have been special. This would have demonstrated God's heart in a very beautiful way. And this is why. He feels the power drained out of him and turns and acknowledges it and has this conversation with her that 
acknowledges the fact that her faith was so strong that she knew that she could come and touch him, which a female touching a male without permission in that culture would not have been okay. He acknowledges it, doesn't discriminate, doesn't bring any kind of judgment of like, why are you touching me without permission? There was just, woman, you are set free from the suffering that you are in the midst of. How beautiful is Jesus's heart and Jesus's approach to people and breaking the cultural norms, the discrimination that would have taken place in that day, um, that still, I would argue, takes place today. Um, This is the kind of Jesus that we worship. This is who he is. This demonstrates his heart in a beautiful way. And there's another little side note that happens within this story is that there's a a moment of prophecy here that uh, prophecy being fulfilled that As this woman comes in faith, um, she probably would have been familiar with the Old Testament prophets, and one of them was Micah. And in Micah 4.2, it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. This prophecy of the Son, Jesus, coming in righteousness and bringing healing in his wings would have been... um, something that would have been familiar and something that would be a, a promise, a hope that the, the Jewish people had of a Messiah that's bringing healing. And so she knew that this Messiah was bringing healing so much so that she was like, I'm going to go, I just need to touch his wings. And when it talks about wings, that would have been a, a rabbi's prayer shawl. So like the, the prayer shawl hangs down and maybe you still see, um, uh, even if you see a Jewish person walking around, sometimes they'll have that prayer shawl hanging and it's called a tzitzit and these four tassels hang down. There's two in the front and two in the back. And that tzitzit um, literally translated would be wings. And so Jesus would have been wearing a tzitzit as a rabbi in that day. And so for her to go, there's healing in his wings. I just need to go touch that tzitzit. Um, and that just demonstrated this like bigger picture of the kind of God that is on display here and coming and serving and, um, and, and healing. And so I think it's just interesting to like, to see that, that reference to the old Testament and to the prophets that spoke about the healing that would come in the Messiah in Jesus. So this woman who's just been suffering has now been healed. And Jesus heals her, and he could have discriminated against her. Instead, he models to the crowd and to everybody there that the God we serve and the heart of God is not to discriminate. There is no male or female in his eyes. Uh, There is no um, cultural norms of like those that are bleeding and those that are not. He just says, you're suffering I'm going to come and bring healing. My question for us is, do you keep people away from you? And I I know that's very direct. I know that's very aggressive of me to say, do you bring healing or do you keep people away from you? But I think it's easy for us. I'm, I'm direct for a reason. I think it's easy for us to point as the church not being this kind of community, this, this community that is accepting and loving and supportive and bringing healing or the, the church being, or the other people being people who discriminate. But 
I believe the church and we as a community, as the body of Christ are made up of individuals. And so I ask you, because I'm asking myself the same question is, do we keep people away from us? Do we strong arm people or are we like Jesus where we allow people to come to us and we go to people the same way that he went and healed this 12 year old girl who uh, was dead and brought new life? Do we go and do we allow people into our space? Are we a kind of people who are okay with the bloody mess that's around us? If that's too much, forgive me, but there is a lot of a mess around us. And sometimes we were like, I don't want to get into anybody's bloody mess. I don't want to deal with it. But what Jesus says is I want to bring healing. And he invites us to be a community of healing. So are we willing to give of our energy the same way that Jesus gave of his energy? Because he recognized that there was a, a depletion of energy as she was healed, which is, I think, a beautiful um, reminder that there will be times where we have to give of our energy in order for others to be healed, others to experience freedom, others to um, have the chains broken free from suffering. Um, do we, do we allow people into our space? Do we, do we keep people away or do we go to people? I think that's kind of the core of this passage um, for us. Um, it displays Jesus's power and we have to acknowledge that this woman came in faith. Um, we are invited to have that kind of faith, but as along with that is that we are also invited to recognize that Jesus longs to work through us. And if we aren't open to allowing that power to run through us like a conduit into other people, then we are a dead end street. We are blocking the power of God moving through us. And so I want to ask us, um, the second question, um, is do we bring life? Do we bring life to the people around us? Can we as a Christian community, and so this is where we begin to look at the church as a community as a whole, um, can we alter the conditions of people's lives? Can we as a community rally together to bring new life within our community? Can we bring healing to those that are troubled and facing challenges that they think are unsolvable? Are we willing to cross boundaries, social boundaries? Are we willing to step into situations that others wouldn't? Um, are we willing to break kind of the cultural uh, boundaries that have been set up by others when it comes to ethnicity, when it comes to gender? Um, when it comes to politics, when it comes to sexual orientation, there's all kinds of societal boundaries that still exist today. This isn't something that was unique just for Jesus's day, but are we willing to step in and bring life regardless of the scenario that we find ourselves in or that people find themselves in? Are we willing to advocate and bring this life-giving, beautiful message that Jesus um, brings um, that's the, that's the question. And so um, I just, I invite you just to wrestle with that, to sit with it, to sit with this passage, maybe read it a few times. Um, but my prayer is that God would give us that boldness, that strength, that courage to step in and recognize that we can give of our energy so that others may have energy. Um, 
it's just it's just so core to who we are as believers. It's so core to who Jesus is that he longs to bring life. So I'm going to close with this passage that I think really is a beautiful reminder of what we are invited to. Romans 8.38 says, And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Amen? Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, the concerns, so like life or death, we see that on display in this this passage here with the girl being raised back to life and with the woman that's been suffering for years, 12 years, the worries that she had for, for that amount of time, the fears that she had, the concerns, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I hope that that's what we hear today. I need that reminder just as much as you probably do. Nothing can separate us from that love. And I pray that that would be the thing that we center life around, um, that we begin to focus on and begin to be the conduit in this world where people are dealing with these kinds of scenarios, these kinds of situations. And I pray that it brings life to you today. And I pray that um, if you're wrestling with it right now, um, that moment by moment begin to in faith, live a life of prayer and be reminded that God is with you, that he loves you and that he wants to journey with you. So grace and peace as you journey into this, this passage and as we live it out this week. And uh, thank you for uh, studying with us. If you have any questions, reach out to us, graceandpeacechurch.org. And uh, we'd love to connect there or on social media if you need to. All right, grace and peace. step down into darkness open my eyes set me free beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you So highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all full of safe became poor. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Lovely, all together worthy, 
Stop. Hi. 